Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your host, Evan Goldstein. With me as always is the lovely Karen Randazzo. How rude! And the ever-luscious Chris Randazzo. I am, how you say, Russian Gaiovich. We here on this week's episode talk television. Um, I guess we could say that we're going to get kind of spoilery because we are talking about the Venture Brothers, Castle, Fuller House, as full shows, no episodes in particular, and then the Oscars. So I really, I don't know if we'll get as spoilery as we normally do, but we might. So fair warning. Shut up and deal. Um, let's just, you're so kind. I know it's, it's, it's a, it's a long, it's been a long day. Um, I'm just trying to figure, do we just want to like get the rattlesnake out of the room and just deal with Fuller House? I, I th- yeah, I think sure. So. Why not? That's, that's what everyone's here for. You know, that's, that's why they're tuning in. The draw of, they want to know this week's episode will be Fuller House, the return of the Tanners. That's right. Shoo-de-ba-ba-da. <laughs> oh, Fuller House. Okay, so that happened. All right, so uh, real quick, before you start, I have a couple of questions. Um, yes. I only watched the first episode, whereas you guys watched most of it. Did we ever find out whatever happened to predictability, the news <laughs> band, the paperboy, and MTV? I think that was all of it. Actually, yes, that was in like the ninth episode. It was? Yeah, they That's actually fantastic. sat down on the couch and, and discussed all of those topics. It's kind of weird. All right. Well, I feel I feel good about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, and where you look. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. This thing happened. Um do, before we even start talking, do we know why it happened? No. Uh, Girl Meets World was successful. Okay, that sort of makes sense. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess. Um, This was exactly the same show that it used to be. (laughs) I don't know how much Full House you guys watched back in the 90s. Um, I watched a fair bit, Mm -hmm. much to my parents' dismay. Um, So mainly I'll talk about the first episode. Um. which was a lot of setup uh, appearances by pretty much the entire old cast, except for Michelle, which was made much uh, <laughs> gossip of in the quote unquote news um, and recycling a lot of the old famous one liners that everybody had. You know, it was like uh, just a studio audience woohoo a fest. Like you, you are being very nice. It was as if they had a list and checked off every box as they worked through the episode. Yes. But I don't know that that list was necessarily a good idea, because you start off in the first few seconds of the show, of a family-oriented show, and if you, like, say I was watching this with a, my five-year-old kid who doesn't exist, and uh, the first five minutes of the show happens, my kid's going to have no idea who Elvis or Bullwinkle are. Correct. And that was those were like the first jokes of the show. I mean, all right, Elvis, possibly we would know who Elvis was at that point. I don't think so. Uh, it's not all that relevant, but Bullwinkle. Are you, I mean, are you under the impression that this show was for someone other than the, the people that watched it in the 90s? 
I believe that this show was geared squarely at those people who watched it in the 90s, but to be a show that those people who watched it in the 90s would want to watch with their kids. Oh. And I don't think that that was necessarily a great plan. Yeah. Because that's what Girl Meets World went for and has successfully accomplished. Not that I'm a fan of Boy Meets World or the new show. Uh, I never really watched those, but from what I can tell, kids are digging Girl Meets World. Like, it's doing well on its own, and it's also appealing to those, you know, adults who grew up on that show and can go back and look at that and be like, oh, okay, this is uh, more or less more of the same, but with a different spin. And Fuller House is, you know, as they said on Mystery Science Theater, from the people who brought you that other stuff, more of the same. Well, that's certainly what was true in the first episode. And I, I guess it, it it's true that it's more of the same in the later and the continuing rest of the season. But I don't know, sort of refreshed for now. Like it wasn't, you know, it didn't continue to be like, oh, my God, exactly the same stuff that they did. It's it's today's version of, right. the, sh- of the same show. Right, but literally the first episode was a, it. It was like they, it could have been an episode pulled from the '90s, where they yeah, just made everybody they, look older. In fact, split the screen at the end of the episode and repeated the shot for shot and line for line exactly uh, the last right, scene the, of um, whatever the first episode. That was when the the baby said Flintstones when they yeah, said the yeah, baby they did the Flintstones bit. So let's back up and, and, and set this up for those who were wise enough not to uh, bother, <laughs> but were curious, but didn't not that curious. Uh, so DJ, the oldest Tanner daughter, uh, is now grown up and a widow uh, with three kids of her own. Her husband was a firefighter. Uh, I don't know. They, they had a line in there where she was like, he died. And, you know, she was all proud of, you know, he, him dying, doing what he loved. I swear to God, they were going to go the soldier route, which I think would have made more sense just for the spirit of the show, for him to have been a soldier and died in war. Well, okay. Maybe. I just think that that kind of, you know, patriotism would have fit into the show better than, oh, he was a firefighter. But whatever. Um, so for the last year, she's been living in the house that she grew up in with Danny, uh, her father. But he is now uh, moving to L.A. to do a TV show with Rebecca because uh, they're still doing that together. I forgot that that was their job in the uh, in originally. As did I. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so DJ and her family are going to have to find an apartment because uh, Danny's going to sell the house. Um, D- Jesse is going to go with them to L.A. to do music for <laughs> Days of Our Lives. I guess that was a thing for him in the 90s. I don't remember. Uh, Joey already left. He is a good comedian in Vegas, which <laughs> is a pretty um, natural <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Makes place to find him. <laughs> and yet I find it to be the least believable uh, successful career of anybody on that show because <laughs> I love me some Uncle Joey, but in in no alt- it would have to be an alternate universe for him to be a successful stand-up comedian, <laughs> or his material would have to be vastly different from the person who's on the show. What's the matter? You don't? I like don't the know, woodchuck? honey. <laughs> First of all, I love Mr. Woodchuck. Second of all, it is Vegas. Like, does it really have to be that good? 
Yeah, I guess that jackass Jeff Dunham. Um, <laughs> I am insulting your talent, not you as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at any rate, and 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 I found it kind of weird that Joey didn't seem to have a, you know, they, there was no like partner in his life at all. I mean, whether he's gay, whether he got married and got divorced, whether he never found anybody, he's just by himself, and that seemed weird, and nobody mentioned it. But whatever. He's, he does seem rather uh, stunted, walking around in his, uh, you know, goofy cartoon pajamas, and I he mean, just I had could, that woodchuck doll on hand, like... I could totally understand why no woman would want to be around that, but <laughs> they, they just didn't address it at all. Um, Kimmy is still around, she has a daughter, and... Uh, cheating gross latin um husband that she's separated from and they have a very cute like breaking the fourth wall joke about why michelle's not there she's we're so busy working on her fashion empire in new york and then everybody stares at the camera for just like too long (laughs) it was just like the beats were just one maybe two too many (laughs) like like (laughs) they they stopped just shy of going get it Get it? Get it? Well, they had the way for the live studio audience to stop clapping. This is true. Exactly. This is true. So uh, everybody's at the house for a big going away party, um, from which the only people at this party were the family mm-hmm. and Kimmy and her daughter and Jesse's band, the Rippers, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I find it very difficult to believe that this, like, this guy was a you know popular morning show host in San Francisco for like. 30 years and they have no friends to go to this party well steve showed up yes that's true steve showed up and then gave like the absolute creepiest speech to dj it it was visibly uncomfortable he was like hey uh i know you're still getting over your dead husband and all but i totally should have asked you to marry me back when we were dating in high school hey can i eat this crap in your fridge (laughs) And I was like, wow, <laughs> somebody please escort him off the premises. This is not okay. Yeah. That is a really good example of what this whole, uh, at least the pilot, and continued on through the series, but I would describe it as ham-fisted. Oh, yes. yeah. Every, Very everything so. about this show is ham-fisted. <laughs> it was really just like, no subtlety. No, like, nuance, nothing. Just like, hi, this is what we're here, we're doing, I'm just gonna say exactly what my, you know, is in my brain. The same could be said about Stephanie's dress in the first episode. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Um, they had a joke about how, like, oh, we all look, look, still look great. Um, which is true. But, uh. Saget's pushing it. Saget, Bob Saget was reminding me of Showalter on Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> yeah, but he looks like, like a dad now. Yes. He does. Like yes. The, like. And also, Bob Bob Saget gets a pass because he's actually talented. That's yeah, true and that's well. the other thing. Bob Saget is like, he seems to have, have aged, whereas the rest of them haven't. I, think, I mean, except the kids, obviously. Stephanie is aged. I think John uh, Stamos may have gone back a few years. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. He does look older. He just looks like, better. Yeah. There's a painting of that man like horribly <laughs> disfigured somewhere in his attic. Oh wow. Um Good that's ball. a literature joke for you 
listeners. <laughs> the thing, I figured out the thing that bothered me about Stephanie, because like everybody else kind of looked the same and looked, you know, looked like they looked uh, on the show, just maybe an older version. But Stephanie looked a lot different to me. And I think it's because when the show ended, she was still relatively a kid. Mm-hmm. And now, so obviously, she's the an prob- adult. The problem was her boobs. It actually was more of her face than her uh, boobs. Okay. Because I don't think anybody has a problem with her boobs. Does anyone have a problem with Jody Sweeten's boobs? The whole time, man. They, oh yeah, they were. She's like, okay, I'll come back, but I have a few conditions in my contract. I have these. I plan on using them. <laughs> I have two specific conditions. So uh, yeah, so I think it was just that I was so used to her as a kid that I, her as an adult, like it was, took some getting used to. Um, so, you know, they hear, like, DJ realizes that, like, she's gonna be completely overwhelmed with all this change going on in her family, and she's taking care of, uh, her baby, and the whole family hears her on the monitor, she's talking to the baby about how overwhelmed she is and upset, and, uh, the family, they, they have their, you know, Tanner family meeting on the couch in the living room, <laughs> And uh, the the adults all like, oh well, Danny first volunteers to not take the new job and do the new show and stay here and help her. And then all the other adults, except for Uncle Jesse, chime in and say, "Yeah, they'll they'll stick around and they'll help too, or they'll fly back and forth." Uh, to which the younger generation decides, "No, the parents have done enough for us. It's time for us to step up." DJ, uh, Stephanie is a DJ, so she kind of has like a totally flighty life. And, she's uh, DJ Kimmy, Tanner. She's DJ Tanner. Boy, did they beat that joke to death. And which is sad, because I thought the joke was half funny to begin with. I was like, hey, DJ Tanner, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and then they kept saying it over and over again, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that, was, that was funny about 45 seconds ago. <laughs> now it's sad. Yeah. Uh, so she ends up, she has the flexibility to sort of like rearrange her life to move in with her sister and help her with their kids. And Kimmy is ca- going through a divorce or separation or something. So she's, she's like, I'm going to move in too, which doesn't fucking make a lick of sense. Like, get your own house, Gibbler. But whatever. That's, that's the whole point of the show is that they're all in the same house. So whatever. Yay. So they... They all move in together, and it's going to be great, uh, I guess. <laughs> the end. No. Yeah, and, and, oh, no. Not the end. And then the house blew up. <laughs> no, 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 no. We had like 15 more episodes. I don't know. It was yeah. not good. <laughs> I mean, it's a family sitcom. It's the kind of thing that you saw on TV all the time in the 90s. It's what made up like that T- TGIF lineup, and then has since been relegated to things like abc family or i think they're calling it freeform now which what oh whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's not for adults to watch on their own for their own enjoyment and i think anybody who enjoyed full house in the 90s and is like oh my god i loved that show when i was a kid and they brought it back and it's gonna be so great no you're you're not gonna like it yeah (laughs) leave it there (laughs) (laughs) you can't go home again uh, if you are one of those people and you have children, 
then you have a different story because this is a show you can watch with your kids. Although I think it is, it's, it's PG because there's definitely drinking and references to sex. So it's not like totally like, oh, I'll never have to explain anything uncomfortable to my children. Uh, but it's a family show and um, it's it's not a bad choice for that. There's simple plots, corny jokes, there's a moral at the end of everything and, you know. Well, it's fine. I, I, I watched, like I said, just about, I think I may have missed the last episode because I walked away from the television. Um, <laughs> Finally it, got up and yeah, couldn't take anymore. Huh? I couldn't take it anymore. Um, there was a couple of things that, that irked me. Um, every, just about every episode, one of the older cast showed up. Yeah. So like it was... Danny's episode or Joey's episode or Jesse's episode and it was it very rarely was just the new cast um and when that new when that older character came back in they regurgitated their jokes again yeah like they weren't making anything new um and and the most bothersome thing and I don't know why this bothered me so much but DJ's DJ Tanner's last name is now Fuller. Yeah. That's why it's supposed to be called Fuller House. Yeah. That and, really- and also because there's more people living. You see, it's it's a double joke. It works on so many levels. Yeah. No. No. I was surprised they actually got the original kids who played the, oh, the Jesse and, and Rebecca's <laughs> children. <They were laughs> that idiots. was I mean, they were terrible actors, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, you know, well done show. There was there uh, it, later on a couple in a couple of the episodes Steve did return and he was always that awkward and uncomfortable food eating machine. I don't remember that being a thing for him back in. Yeah, the it was like his running joke was yeah. that. But I mean, he was he was like you know star quarterback football guy, you know, like he was. Okay. He was a grown boy and and whatnot, and uh, I don't know. He 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 aged very naturally, you know. Yeah. Like he looks like he had a receding hairline, you know. He yeah, looked sort he, of the same, he, except with less hair. He he kind of grew up the same way. Uh, was his um. Matthew Lillard did. Didn't we just see him on uh, Once Upon a Time recently? And he just I don't looks even, all old. I don't and remember stuff. who Matthew Lillard is. Isn't yep. he the guy who was the uh, the 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 younger the the younger really kind of oddball in um, Empire Records? Matt, the no. What the hell? Matthew is that Lillard was not in. Um, no, Empire Matthew Records. Lillard was the guy who played. Ugh, I can't remember the name of the <laughs> actor I'm thinking of. I know who you're talking about, though. And to the internet. To the internet, in a way. Uh, anyway. The, the, it, I don't know. I don't know if I had high hopes for the show. I don't think I did. That's why I was I able to make the show. I'm honestly surprised you watched more of this. And I watched five episodes because I was sick and on the couch, though I you know, couldn't move anyway. But you watched almost the whole thing, yeah. which is yeah. a surprise to me. I did. Um Ethan Embry. I'll do for this show. Oh, Ethan Embry. Yes. Yeah, different dude. Who the hell was Matthew Lillard? He was in that Scooby Doo movie, I think. Yeah, I think he was Shaggy in Shaggy, the Scooby Doo movie. Yes. Yes. 
and in 13 Ghosts. Um, so who do you think did the best out of the returning cast? Um, Probably Jodie Sweetin. Uh, Jodie Sweetin. Okay, Stephanie. All right. You went with her real name. All right. I was going to say. I liked um, Candace Cameron. I thought she did a really good job. I, th- I thought she was a. Uh... Thought she was very believable. There, uh, in the episode I saw, <laughs> she is uh, as a grown-up. She is a veterinarian, which I thought was such a great job for her. Like, because that's a job you want to have when you're a kid, and this is somebody that you watched on TV when she was a kid, when you were a kid. So, like, oh my god, she grew up and she's a veterinarian. Just like that's what I wanted to be when I grew up when I was watching her on TV. But that freaking pet clinic she works in is so silly. Oh, yeah. Like, it's one of those workplaces where, like, there aren't any rules and people just come and go for comedy's sake. And yeah, if it, it doesn't operate as an actual functioning business. <laughs> no, no, it did not. There was makeout sections at one point inside and a skunk and not in the same episode. Uh, the skunk thing made me laugh. Yeah, it was, <laughs> not the skunk thing, but the, the tomato juice bath made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I I did enjoy the fact that they brought Cosmo Junior 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 back. Yeah, the the puppy. The puppy, you know. Steve still had the child of the original dog that they had. Interesting. The uh the Candace Cameron's kids and um and Kimmy's daughter. So annoying. So all of those kids I want to punch. <laughs> <laughs> especially the little one the little like i don't know seven-year-old max was that his name y- yeah well like they, i don't they, they he's like he was precocious in that way that michelle was precocious on the original show that like in a way that like no actual kids are ever like this i don't remember michelle i remember baby i don't remember her actually acting like did they the, did the show go oh, on yeah, that long yeah. oh yeah oh okay. yeah you got it dude and okay. all that other little catchphrases she used to yeah they were always having her like that was my parents complaint about the original show was like that kid like no kids really talk like that and i can't believe they have that little girl saying all that stuff no kids like ever say stuff like that Uh i remember the episode where she made tuna fish ice cream and made everyone eat it and it was gross all right well and the other weird thing about it was like the show i didn't i don't know how this ended up in the later episodes that I didn't watch, but it seemed like the show kept throwing guys in DJ's path, which fine, whatever. But every time it happened, she was like, I'm not ready to date again. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I just, that's not what I'm looking for right now, which is totally reasonable for a character who is a widow and a young widow and only lost her husband a year prior and has three young kids. Like, I can see all of that. But why did they keep throwing guys at her? Like, that that's not going anywhere, show. Stop it. Uh, Spend your time on something else. The doctor's son was a yeah, big Yeah, there was deal. the doctor's son. There was the, the internet guy that Kimmy found who was played by Captain Awesome from Chuck. <laughs> Yay, win. <laughs> <laughs> I recognized his voice. He looked a lot different. I think it was the darker hair that threw me. But I was like, oh my god, it's Captain Awesome. <laughs> Go run, take him, DJ, and run away. 
in my opinion, it was a miss. I can understand what you're saying, that it's straight up, it's a family show, but oh yeah, there was nothing in it for me. Like even yeah, like, there's nothing in it for you. Not there's nothing in it for me. Like even if my kid was old enough to watch this, I don't know that I'd want to watch it with him. I'd just be like, let's go find something else that's better. Like I don't know. <laughs> and I'm gonna use that as a segue to watching something better. <laughs> Chris, there you go. <laughs> Chris, how, hi. How, how is your rewatch going? Uh, it's it, I completed it. Um, so I've completed my Venture Brothers rewatch. Nice. I am now up to current on this fantastic show, and this was a really, really interesting um, show to rewatch because it has been on for a really long time, and there's not very much of it. Um, how many let's, seasons let's, are there? This is season six. So it stopped at like five years ago. Check this out. Season one aired in 2004. Season two aired in 2006. Season three was in 2008. Four was in 2009. Five was in 2013. And six is current. Okay. This show has the most bizarre production schedule. uh, And the continuity. Is it always on... um, not a, is it Adult Swim? Yeah, it's Adult Swim. Yeah. It's always yeah, been it's, on Adult it, Swim. It's not like it was canceled and picked up someplace else. Nope, it's always been an Adult Swim show. It's just they take four freaking ever. Interesting. And in two of the, the two were two bigger lulls between seasons four and five and five and six, there was like one special on one of the years in between. Okay. And the thing is, is that the continuity is spot on. Like, Oh, that's good. The, I, end of episode, uh, the end of season five to the beginning of uh, season six... Where it was three year a three year gap is like it's the next episode picks up right where that left off. Like the only really strange thing about watching this now is that it's supposed to take place in this very confined span of time. Like there there it's not like the show it's not like it's six years worth of storytelling per se, or it is it's more like six years worth of storytelling than the 12 years that it's been on the air. Gotcha. So we're in season two. The monarch is talking about his MySpace and his live journal. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's supposed to feel current because like it, it, it was it really the show dated itself by being as old as it is. You know what I mean? It's right, like right. not as much time happened in the show as it did in the real world. So, but those minor quibbles aside, um, the this show, especially for a cartoon, is following such a unique type of arc, uh, arch or what? Yeah, arc. Arc. Um, the characters all grow, like considerably. Like especially the 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 titular Venture Brothers. Like they change a lot from season to season. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what this show actually is, it on the surface this is a spoof of, um like Johnny Quest uh, and, and shows of that era where um, Dr. Dr. Thaddeus Venture was, was a boy adventurer. Uh, he was um, Rusty Venture when he was a little kid and his dad was like, uh, you know, Dr. Quest and Johnny Quest. And uh, they had all these different like cartoon archetype type characters. But then uh, Rusty Venture grew up and is just kind of a, sham of a person and he has these two sons that are complete goofballs and uh bodyguard brock sampson 
uh, who is just this unstoppable murder machine. And uh, as the show, pro- that, that's just it on the surface. But then it, it developed this entire wonderful mythology where there's like uh, all, all the arch nemeses are all like very sanctioned. Like it's all very organized. Like all the villains are part of the Guild of Calamitous Intent. <laughs> And they all have these very specific rules for arching uh, super scientists and super good guys. And you know, there's there's different factions of like villains who don't want to be part of the guild. And it is just absolutely insane. This show is there's so like a, smart. There's uh, like a henchman's union too, right? Yeah, yeah. There was there was um there's certain you know henching rules and unions for that. And oh my god, the the way these characters like they'll kill off characters and they they stay dead. Um, the boys in the first uh, season they're just these like goofball boys. And in the last episode of the first season they die, and um, that's where the season ends with them being dead. And you're like, well, how the hell are you going to continue a show called The Venture Brothers when they're dead? And the you know, season two picks up and we find out that um, the boys die all the time because <laughs> they're actually clones <laughs> because Dr. Venture decided to create an army of clones of his kids because they die all the time. <laughs> um, but then uh, by the think of the end of ep- uh, season two and uh, maybe even uh, maybe into season three. Yeah, I think by the end of season three, they um, all the clones, like, they find out that they were clones, and um, all the other clones die, and so they're actually now the only ones of them left, and then the following season, yeah, they actually find out that they're clones. Before that, they kind of play it off like it was a uh, a Christmas present for them, that uh, their dad made them an army of clones right. for a Christmas present, <laughs> and it was really <laughs> gross. Um so yeah, those characters, those kids, like they show them growing up, like they graduate and they get older and they try different hairstyles and they're both a- attempting to date and go to college in the current season, which is not like if you think of something like the Simpsons, Bart's been in fourth grade forever. Like that's right. usually how they do it in cartoons. They don't really progress all that much because you have that luxury in cartoons. You know, a kid character can be a kid character forever. Right, um, right, right. But uh, this this show, God, they spoof everything from from GI Joe to Johnny Quest uh, to, to pretty much anything in between, and they do it so smartly. Uh, and they build this great mythology where they have these really interesting character moments. Like you you kind of see as the show moves on, like it, it starts off as kind of like feeling like a joke, and then by the time you're done watching it, you you tend to kind of sort of feel for some of these characters in a certain way. Like uh, now that I'm on, in the current season, um, the whole venture compound is blown up, and all the ventures are living in New York now because uh, um, Doctor Venture's brother Jonas, who is actually a tumor that was growing <laughs> inside of Doctor Venture, <laughs> that ate his way out and tried to kill him was actually like his twin in the womb who Dr. Venture ate. And boy, that was a weird story arc. Well, Jonas, um, it turned out to be very successful and a real chip off the, the old block. And, um, but he died of cancer. Uh, and while well, he was dying of cancer and he saved everybody from like spaceship sabotage. And, uh, he made this giant space station and then a bunch of villains showed up to blow it up and they basically succeeded and Jonas sacrificed himself to, to save everybody and he left everything to Dr. Venture. So now Dr. Venture is like a super billionaire and uh, nice. is trying to actually keep the business going by 
actually trying to do super science as opposed to what he's been doing most of his life, which is just, you know, working on old inventions of his dad's. He's been um, coasting most of the show that I've seen. Exactly. He has been he has been coasting, with the exception of the rather remarkable job he did cloning his sons. <laughs> this is true. He did have like, that done. <laughs> but the problem is, is that in the Venture Brothers universe, cloning is illegal, so he can't make any real money off of it <laughs> or, like, sell it to anybody. So the probably one of the most interesting characters on the show is Dr. Venture's arch nemesis, The Monarch. Um, who is modeled after the monarch butterflies. (laughs) And his arc in particular is, is so much fun to watch because like you, you think of the way that most villains are treated in shows. And even in, in the venture brothers, like villains are treated with a a certain uh, type of backstory where you, you get to kind of understand the reason that they they do what they do or that they want world domination or something. Mm-hmm. And the thing with the monarch is that there's nothing in this world he wants more to do than hate Dr. Venture. Like, <laughs> it's just what he wants to do is spend his time hating Dr. Venture. And he's really good at it. <laughs> and... It, all throughout the se- all throughout the series, you see all these different things come into his life, and things will stop him from arching Doctor Venture, and it always comes back to what do I have to do to spend my time hating this man? And and now that he's married to his his um, partner, uh, Doctor Girlfriend, who is now Doctor Mrs. The Monarch, nice, um, nice, <laughs> and she is now in charge of the Guild of Calamitous Intent, and. Because of this whole bizarre set of circumstances, the monarch isn't allowed to arch Dr. Venture. Um, The monarch, who I believe is... The show has been hinting at it, and I... I, I, Honestly, I just rewatched the whole thing. I can't even remember if they said it outright, but is in some way related to Dr. Venture. Um, uh, The the monarch is. But he does not know that. But I, I think... Either the show has said it outright or that it is has been hinting at it heavily, that he is in some way related to Dr. Venture. But he found out that his dad was actually a superhero based on the Green Hornet. And uh, the blue something, uh, it's another type of butterfly. It's hilarious. <laughs> and so in order to arch Dr. Venture, what he is now doing is being a superhero to get rid of all the other villains that are in line to legally arch Dr. Venture before him so that he can then arch Dr. Venture. (laughs) The show is absolutely I just like the way you you say arch the doctor. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's, that's how they they say, yeah, that's how they say it in the, in the, in the show. Arching, (laughs) arching is indeed a profession (laughs) and something that you, you actively do. I cannot say enough good things about this show. And one thing that is really interesting about it is that it, it definitely works on a couple of different levels because I, I watch the show just because I, I love this kind of humor and I love this kind of universe and it is intensely entertaining. But there's a lot of really – you can tell that the people who are making this show put an awful lot of thought into why the characters do the things that they do. And um, we have a new writer on this site, uh, Trish Reyes, and she's been doing a recap series for um, the Adventure Brothers. We're calling the Spoiler Brothers, similar to the way we did uh, Game of Spoilers and whatnot. And – if you haven't read her articles, I cannot recommend it enough because she is really smart <laughs> and 
she is finding all of these really interesting character pieces. And like even she, when she she sends me emails um, before, but like with the articles and then that I then post on the website, and she always is like, "Tell me if I'm full of shit, if I'm like imagining all this stuff, or if the show is actually doing this." <laughs> and I, after rewatching it, I was like, "No, no, you are picking up on things that are clearly intended, and it is such a testament to the how well written this show is that it works on those different levels. Like if you really want to look at this as a character study, like." All the characters on the show go through arcs, and they they're so well plotted out. It is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Venture Brothers is just incredible, and um, it doesn't take that long to rewatch because even though it's been on since two thousand four, there's not a lot of it. So it's, what's it like? Why do I want to say seven or eight episodes a season? It depends on the season, actually. Okay. It, it varies quite wildly. Okay. Um, I remember getting through season five and thinking, wait, that was it? I think, see, think season five was on like six episodes, but season four was like 13. Gotcha. And then there's, you know, the, the specials and whatnot in between. But th- seriously, give if you've never given this show a shot, um, the first season is definitely a little goofier than the rest of it because it's laying that groundwork of the type of world that it exists in. But it is doing that very intentionally because once they establish that they actually do exist in a world where Johnny Quest did exist <laughs> and um, like, you know, Race Bannon mm-hmm. is in the show and he dies, uh, they fi- eventually find Johnny Quest and he's a heroin addict. And it is so ridiculous, <laughs> so absolutely ridiculous, but it is so well thought out and so, so good and worth your time. Like. I, I shit you not, this show is as good as just about anything else that you would wa- watch on television. It's, it is not just like an Adult Swim cartoon, especially Adult Swim cartoons back in two thousand four, where it was like, yes, Aqua Teen Hunger Force was fantastic, but it's not something that is for everyone. It is very much a goofy ass cartoon. Right, right, right. The Venture Brothers is no less far fetched than Once Upon a Time, and I would argue is a much better show. So I, if I would you agree like with that, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. If you like things that have an, an air of the fantastic to them, like it doesn't have to be the most realistic thing you ever watched. It's got really great action, incredibly well thought out characters and really insane characters and only about three or four voice actors. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the cast list. Yeah. There's only like seven people in total for everybody but uh in the last couple of seasons they've had some good guests nathan fillion was on mm-hmm. um john Hodge, john hodgman does a character which is really great it's like this very small part but it's he's so perfectly cast in it um so whenever they have uh and and of course uh what's his name um uh the tick uh patrick Probably warburton yeah, yeah. does brock sampson j- just brilliantly just absolutely brilliantly nice uh so yeah, this show gets such a high recommendation from me, and it never stops surprising me. We're in the middle of season six right now, and the, this kind of evolution of a show, like the status quo is so different right now than it was for the first five seasons, and it is, it's just such a brilliant way to reinvigorate the show. Uh, it, it's, it's astonishing, and like the, how far the status quo has gotten from season one to now is definitely farther than most other shows. It's not quite as radical as, say, Dollhouse, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty radical change from where the show starts to where it is, but it is incredibly consistent. Like, there is the, the lines connect perfectly. So, 
Would yeah, you say right. that the status is not quo? <laughs> the status is not quo. No, the status is very quo. It's quo and all over the place. Nice. Yeah, it, it, I remember. Wa- I haven't watched this in a, in quite a while, and it was because it was so incons- inconsistent with its release that every time I see it on TV, it was an episode that I had already seen because they repeated it a lot on. Uh, they did. Cartoon Network. First couple of seasons, they used to repeat the shit out of it. Now they almost never do. Right. And it, up until the point in time, we started doing, you know, she started putting up those spoilers. I was like, oh, I totally forgot that this was actually a show on the air. So I'm going to have to go back, catch up, and then do a rewatch because it is, it is better to watch it all in one shot. Yeah, I mean, I will <laughs> say that when I was rewatching the first two seasons, like the first season in particular... They repeated the shit out of that season. And rewatching that one was, it kind of felt a little bit like a slog from time to time because I'd seen all these episodes so many times and I hadn't seen them since 2004. But every single one of them was just like, oh yeah, I remember everything about this episode. But season two, season two has definitely been the high watermark for this series. Like season two is really fantastic. But season five got really good and season six, I think, is, is, definitely as good as the show has ever been there's never been a bad season of this show um but season two is really i I think the highlight so far awesome awesome i will definitely check that out again um real quick i'm gonna go over my show uh i have been re-watching uh castle now we all know my love for nathan fillion and once i i found this show I don't. I guess it was eight years ago. The that that Malcolm Reynolds hole that was in my heart was filled <laughs> with this character. Um, the show Castle is about a writer played by Nathan Fillion, who is he starts off working with the New York Police Department as research for one of his books, and he ends up in essence, falling for the, I don't even know. She's she's just like the lead detective in just about every crime that happens through this precinct. And that's Kate, Kate and Castle. I mean, Kate Beckett and Rick Castle. Castle and Kate, Kate, Castle, Beckett. It's Castle and Beckett. The, the, it doesn't, they are the two that drive this show. Their relationship out of eight episodes has was the perfect arc to where it is now now i am not current on the show I, I i realized that i had fallen off at about season five and for the past week or so i've been powering through uh as many of the episodes as i possibly can and i'm halfway through season six or no season seven right now and What's happening in season seven? Season seven uh, starts off. Okay, <laughs> season six ends with the possible marriage or the wedding of Castle and Beckett. Uh-huh. On the way to the wedding, something happens to Castle. There's a storyline where she, you know, I'm not even going to get back to that, but he ends up going missing for two months. All right, so you're halfway through the season after they've found him. Yes. And he doesn't remember shit, yes. right? Okay, that's you you are right now about where we left off. It, this season in it like okay, yes, the the show itself is very very good. 
Uh, it is a procedural show. It is a, a monster of the week, as I like to call them. Every week, there's pretty every every week there's pretty much a different case. Every once in a while, we'll get a, a, an overarching story that happens for like three episodes, four episodes, and then falls away, and then comes back later on in the season. You got your mythology episodes, yeah. and but I don't want to even call it a mythology episode because. Usually when you have it sort of touches in every episode, some a little bit more than others with the show, they don't talk about it at all for a couple of episodes. Like it's not even as if it's a thing, but that like, what is it? The, that killer. I don't, I want to say X, Y. Yeah. There was letters. Yeah. I don't remember, but yeah. And he shows up like every third season. <laughs> like it's such a well done show that it doesn't matter because the the relationship between um, the the police station everybody that's in the police station and Castle and his family and it's just you like you want to watch them because you actually end up caring about them even though they're it's just silly characters that are all each playing their own part season seven so far is one of the best seasons I've seen because we're actually seeing the relationship become like rock solid that we've been waiting for for seven seasons like yeah will they won't they for the first three or four then they will then they're gonna get married oh my god something went wrong now there it's it's as if everything that we waited for is coming to fruition in this season and i have gotten to the point where they actually have gotten married and it's it, the way it was done, it was not a big deal. It was just for them. And that's how I always believed this relationship to be between these two. Have you found out? Don't tell me what it was, but have you found out what happened to Rick yet? No. Because that was that shit was fascinating to me. Like, we were, we were kind of catching up on the show, I, and then okay. other TV came back. But I could tell. We don't know what happens to Rick because. Rick, uh, Rick specifically doesn't want to know. Is that mm-hmm. the, I don't I don't want to spoil it too much. I th- I can't remember exactly where we left off. I know there was like they were really looking into it, yeah. and then like they saw him somewhere, and it was like, why was I there? He kept going and- like there was Canada. He went to a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. He he finds the person that. I don't want to say captured him or the person he was with for that two months. And it Mm -hmm. comes to his attention that he specifically did not want to know. He was, he asked to have his memories erased. So now just like on blind spot. (laughs) And now where we've got the couple of episodes that are not dealing with that story arc where, Mm. you know, you settle back into the routine that is, Castle and Beckett, and the, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that it's by the before the end of the the season that I'm in, we're gonna we're we're gonna get back into that. Three, oh yeah, there's three XK. There you go. So he's the bad guy that keeps showing up. That and the Senator Bracken. That was another guy, bad guy that. And that was played by uh, HRG from yeah from Heroes. And he's a good actor. Uh, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice to see that guy again. I like that guy. Um, the show is so well done because the 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 character of Castle and the character of of Beckett are polar opposites. Uh, 
And that's why I think they work so well together because she is the most logical and methodical person that could possibly ever be put on television. And he is so whimsical and lighthearted and, and imaginative that they complement each other perfectly. It's yeah. like Paula Abdul in that cartoon cat. Perfect. No, it's stop. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it's uh this show filled the uh Mulder and Scully shaped hole in my heart. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I've, I've, and and the, the, they are doing it so well that I don't feel like they're falling into the normal tropes of a sitcom-y relationship. Yeah, this show really do, did the uh, will-they-won't-they they really well. Yes. Like, by the time they got together, it was okay that they got together and the way they did it. And it like, everything worked. And as it progressed from there, you could see that why it took as long as it did, and how strong their relationship is because of it. Yeah, there was no, like, contrived bullshit to keep them apart. Oh, no. Like... No, it was just them. You know, it was just natural. It was just them, and they were... They got in They got in their own way for right, a few seasons. Right, because they are so different from each other. And, of course, throughout the whole show, and, I mean, you see this from episode three on, Castle is striving to get Beckett. Yeah, madly in Mad, love with her. From day one, he is head over heels for this woman. And of course it takes her. There's got to be some sort of roadblock to keep the relationship from, from blossoming quicker than it actually possibly could. Um, when it, Yeah, for a while it was the case with her mom, right? Like she had to figure out who killed her mom before she could like learn to love again or right. some there crap was, like there that. There were certain points where like... Uh, she she got shot, and as she was dying, he told her that she loved. No, he told her that he, that loved, he her. loved her, and then she didn't die. She just went into a coma for a little bit. And when she woke up, she pretended not to hear it. Right. So then she was dealing with that. So we're seeing how how does she really feel about him, just from her point of view. Like they do do the the normal sitcomy television show things, but they just do it better. Right. Um, the supporting cast is great. Um, I was just going to say, I think they they really have found a special group of people between Beckett's like partners at the station right. um, and Castle's family. Yeah. Kevin and Esposito. Ryan and Esposito. Javi. And like... Frickin' Frack. This, the standard... I, I don't... They're not even comic relief. They're just the... the the, the guys that you know you can look at to get that little funny when nobody else is talking. Um, his family, his daughter, I, is perfect for him. She's so great. Molly Quinn. Like, what a treasure. Uh, she She's the adult of their relationship because her father is, like I said, whimsical and, and young. He's and a hard. big he's kid. He's a big kid. I think he keeps saying he's 90% kid. Yeah, and he, like, because he's, like, a best-selling mystery writer, he has all this money, and he's always, like, buying gadgets and toys, and they play, like, laser tag in the house or whatever, and it's adorable. And those are my favorite episodes when she becomes a kid for, you know, 20 minutes. For his sake. (laughs) And they have a good time. Um, His mother, who is, I don't don't know what kind, she was an actress, maybe still is an actress, or is trying to be an actress, she is is an actress in some way, shape, or form, but she, I don't know if she's good or bad, I don't think we're, I don't think we're supposed to know, (laughs) but she is the one that's living, 
you know, in his house on his dot. It, it's the mother. Um, the only I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the sergeant. You know, yeah, captain, the woman. Excuse me, Captain Gates. Yeah, I like the first captain better. And because of the storyline with her mother's death, he had to go away. And he was replaced by this woman, Victoria Gates. Uh, Penny does a Penny Johnson Gerald is her name. She does a, a good job. I just don't like the character that they are making her play. Like yeah, like they they're always making her be mean and right. But she's she also all right. I don't like the fact that they have to call her sir, as whether it be ma'am or captain. It's always and she made a point within like the first episode that she was on. Ma'am doesn't cut it. It has to be sir. Like that's that's how they they set this character up. And I'm like, ah, you know, that's not that doesn't fit with the rest of the show. But she has played her part throughout the rest of the seasons, being that roadblock when necessary or that extra help when she can. So right. She's doing a good job. It's just not my favorite character. Um, I prefer if they had what's her face from uh, Law and Order, Recipe Markerson. Sure, I don't. I haven't. I've never watched Law and Order. You never watched Law and Order. I know we're not friends anymore, but still, bombshell. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do something about that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, um, honey, what's her name? Who? Uh, the woman lieutenant. On Law and Lieutenant Order. Van Buren? Yeah, Van Buren. That's it. Anita Van Buren. They always called her Lou. Okay. Because mm-hmm. she was the lieutenant. Uh, and she's like, uh, I mean, she's a hard ass. She's like really in charge of her whole department. But she's not like, you have to call me sir. Right. <laughs> like, she's a person. Right, right, right. I actually just watched an episode. I just, before we started recording, um, and it's it was a uh, it's the it <laughs> any show that goes on longer than like five five seasons will have the it's a wonderful life episode where you yeah like if I had never been born yes, and the way they did it, it I mean it was perfect it like because they took Castle out but ca- like the, the the life that he went into he was still. Richard Castle, but his life went in a different trajectory, so he wasn't, you know, uber famous or, or you know, a, a wealthy author anymore. And he, his sense of comedy or comedic timing for the show, I was like, I laugh at this show, but like, it's spotty because I watch it. it usually, it's a dramatic case of some sort with points of levity. The amount of levity that was in this show was, I mean, it was refreshing to see that the show still can do that seven seasons in, where I was laughing throughout the whole thing. Um, it's a great show. I highly recommend it. There's, I think it's in season eight now, which is the current season. I'm halfway through seven, so probably by this weekend I'll be done with it and I'll be be current. And I'll have to stop watching again because I don't watch stuff with commercials, so... Well, usually not, but you made an exception for this week's main topic. Yes. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk the Oscars. So uh, stay tuned. 
the gents over at the Stone Age Gamer Podcast had a chance to chat with the host of another retro video game podcast this week. Ferg, from the Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast, joins forces with Dan, Dean, and Chris to discuss his show, the legacy of the Atari 2600, baked goods, and so much more. Don't miss this fascinating meeting of the minds. Download the latest Stone Age Gamer Podcast, episode 88, Ferg is Live. Like anyone else, we here at Geekade love a good curse word. Right, Evan? Fuck yeah. Right, Karen? Shit yeah, motherfucker. But of all of us, perhaps no one, with the exception of Between Two Beards, loves to get downright vulgar more than the fellas at our YouTube wrestling series, Ring the Motherfucking Bell. Head on over to our YouTube page and check out their latest episode, Ring the Bell, or How I Learned to Love the F-Bomb. Trust me, there's more to it than just curse words. The relaunch of the X-Files mini-season has come and gone. We laughed, we cried, we applauded Scully's updated fashion choices. When all is said and done, was it all worth it? I was more on board for this relaunch than most people, so I decided to take a look back over the series and talk about whether or not it was a good idea to bring it back and where it can go from here. Head over to the think tank to read, Is the Truth Still Out There? It's Oscar season, and what better way to celebrate that than with the rewatch of an Academy Award-winning movie? Forget the brilliant direction by Tim Burton and the excellent performances given by Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, and feast your eyes on the award-winning art direction of the 1990 classic, Batman? Watch along with Brandon and Travis in Apathetic Enthusiasm, Episode 56, Holy Netflix Rewatch, Batman. You can catch all this great stuff plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you for checking out our commercials. Um, this year marks, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, the first time I have ever actually sat down and watched the Oscars in its entirety. I, I don't know, Chris, when did you contact me to talk about tweeting? Oh, it was, what, like 10 in the morning or something like that? Earlier that day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Chris had put together, I'm assuming it was Chris, this idea that we could live tweet the Oscars. And I said to myself, well, I'm really not doing anything this evening. I can sit down and and, and try to enjoy and, and make light of this show. And I, I 8.30 came and the, 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 I, I didn't expect to stay up as late as I did. No one did. Well, I, I mean, we should all know better, but it wasn't supposed to go until midnight. Wow. Um, so let's let's chat a little bit about the Oscars. Not necessarily who won, who lost, because you can get that at other places. Yes, Leonardo DiCaprio's giant head finally won an Oscar. <laughs> finally. It's about time. I was actually, <laughs> as opposed to saying the Oscars, I was going to say the Mad Max award show. <laughs> but I'm just going to let that go. Uh, I said somebody I, I know on Facebook say that there just weren't enough jokes about uh, Exit Leo pursued by a bear. This is also true. <laughs> this is also true. Um, all right. So leading up to the Oscars this year, I don't know if you were paying attention to the news or to the social medias, but there was a little bit of a controversy. 
And it all stemmed from the whitewashing of the Oscars. Um, there was a, a lot of uproar about the fact that there were no um, African-Americans nominated for Best it, Actor. It, it or, was more like, there. I mean, specifically African-Americans, but it was like everyone was white. Everyone was white. So, very white show. Now, I don't know, I can't exactly remember when that came about, when that, when that froth started to happen in. But whenever it did, the Oscars immediately spun it and and I thought did a phenomenal job squelching that. Yeah, apparently they had had uh, diversity um, initiatives in the works for a while. And so when this happened, it was like, no shit, we were going to. No, God, no. Let, <laughs> wait, a- everybody shut up. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We were already going to do this, but now we're going to tell you we were going to do this. Now it's looking like we're doing it because you're saying something, and that's not really how it was. Um, I Like I said, I've never watched the Oscars fall through before. I have caught a couple of opening ceremonies, if you will. Um, Chris Rock did a phenomenal job. He really was in a tough spot, and he could not have handled it better. I, I, yeah, nailed it. I mean, like like I said, we were live tweeting, and yes, I was making as many jokes as I possibly can without insulting or offending anybody. But every time he cut a joke and they would flash to the crowd, the clapping and the look on everybody's face of, is it okay if we clap, warmed my heart. <laughs> Uh, there is a Twitter account I follow um, called Bored Elon Musk, which is a parody of, of the inventor Elon Musk, like things he says when he's bored. And okay. his one of his, and he's always t- you know tweeting inventions that he's going to make. Mm-hmm. And so his invention during that uh, monologue was uh, a sign that tells well, white people when it's okay to unplot, applaud when they're uncomfortable. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, like they, they handled it I, I'm I'm saying they I'm saying the whole, as a show, it was handled very well. A lot of the skits, a lot of the the little intermission type stuff, was very very funny, and it all well, a good portion of it dealt with the race card. The- I was particularly thrilled with the fact that he kind of like yeah, the academy is doing some fancy schmancy like a, a racial diversity stuff but chris rock kind of got to a little bit deeper of the point of Mm -hmm. like yeah it's not just that they know no black actors were nominated for anything it's part of the part of the problem is that they don't get offered the same roles like it's 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 it was similar with women for a long time and even you could you could argue a lot of ways still today that you know a lot of women just don't get as good roles written for them as men do and it's you know the the part of the problem wasn't as much that they just like all these great great things that all these black actors did this year all these they all they all just got ignored it's like well there really weren't many great roles for black actors this year like Mm -hmm. the the whole thing with jamie fox like that was hysterical like (laughs) it's yeah he was so good in ray and then what was his follow-up fucking stealth 
Like, <laughs> you, you got to go where the roles are because that's that that's that man's job. That's his livelihood. It. I loved how uh, how much Chris Rock just didn't pull a single goddamn punch the whole night. He was just like, "This is what the problem is. I'm just gonna stand here and say it." And it, what are they gonna do? <laughs> Nobody's gonna do anything. Nope. He, not um, cut the show. <laughs> he he did a good job of explaining that that Hollywood is in fact racist, but it's not like, you know, it it's not severely racist like we're gonna chase you down and hang you from a tree. Racist. It's racist <laughs> yeah. in a different way. And and so like he was so tactful about the things that he was saying that if he wasn't, it could have made for very very bad television. Yeah, like, I, I saw people tweeting that like, um, yeah, Ricky Gervais has done the Golden Globes a handful of times recently, and he's supposed to be the one who is like irreverent, and Ricky Gervais doesn't give any fucks, and you know, look how funny he is because he'll insult anybody, but the he comes off as crass a lot of the times. He he doesn't right. execute it well, and I saw a lot of people comparing Chris Rock to that and saying, "Look, this is how you do that." Yes, I, I fully agree with that. Um, highlights of the show for me, uh, of course, I you know I've always been a, bit, a big fan of Leo, uh, so I did really get like enjoy seeing him finally win. We can all put that little story to bed now. But there was this skit or this video montage where they inserted African Americans into movies. <laughs> I'm telling you, tears were streaming down my face. Like the Whoopi Goldberg skit in Joy, that was just funny. Like, she is a funny, funny woman, and it could have gone so badly. <laughs> the bear the, the bear scene, I think it's the woman it's, from- It's uh, Leslie Jones, yeah, who, <laughs> who is going to be in the Ghostbusters movie coming up, and I think she's on SNL. Yeah, that, I mean, it was perfect. <laughs> and, of course- we got to see Tracy Morgan as the Danish the girl. Danish girl. I'm the Danish girl. <laughs> and then he eats a Danish. Yeah. Fantastic. And welcome back, Tracy Morgan. Like yes. you know. I mean, I know he's done he's done some things since he's recovered from his uh horrific car accident, but uh but this was like one of the biggest things I've seen him do and like it was fantastic. I'm sorry, the Martian featuring Chris Rock. <laughs> That was funny. <laughs> uh, it's going to cost like $2,500 to get it back down here. <laughs> uh, and they so, got, they actually got all the, they got, um, not Jeff Goldblum, yes. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> and Kristen Wiig to like actually do, that was, that was fantastic. Um, What did you, do you any highlights for you? Um, The Lady Gaga musical number to me was um really moving um that that whole section was a little weird like it started with they played the indiana jones music and i wasn't i was tweeting something and i looked up and i was like oh the indiana jones music is it harrison ford and then i looked up and it was fucking joe biden (laughs) close and i was like this okay (laughs) and then he made this really like pretty moving speech about you know survivors of sexual assault 
and uh, to introduce the uh, song that she sang from something called a movie called The Hunting Ground, which I haven't heard of or seen. Um, but her, like, the song was fine. It was a fine song, but her performance of it, I think, really elevated of it. She was, it was really passionate. And then mm-hmm. to couple that with bringing out people who were actual survivors of sexual assault with these like messages to of encouragement for other survivors written on their arm. Um, it was just a really amazing moment. And like the only musical moment of the show that I really like thought was well done, but uh, that, yeah, the, that was the, a highlight. The for other me. one was, I mean, it's, it, I think it might've been just a little too simple. The uh, blackbird, you know, during the in memoriam. That, you know what pissed me off about that. that is fucking Dave Grohl. You're doing the in memoriam. Have some respect. Comb your fucking hair and put on a suit. Like, don't um, sit there in jeans and a button down and like, oh, Blackbird, I'm Dave Grohl. He's grunge. I no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the fucking Oscars. Chris, I really like Sylvester Stallone's suit. <laughs> you sure did. You tweeted about it a lot. It was um, a really nice suit. I, okay. I was really impressed with it. He did a good job wearing that suit. <laughs> <laughs> he did not do a good job winning an Oscar. Hey, hey, hey. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, uh, win. you mentioned the whole thing about Leo, and I mean, I know we're not talking a whole lot about the awards, but I didn't see The Revenant, but to me, the whole thing just kind of smelled like we're giving him the Leo Leonardo DiCaprio Award. Like, it just seemed to me like the people in the Academy were like, okay, we get it. This guy's been nominated a bunch of times. He deserves an Oscar. Not for this specific performance, but he deserves an Oscar, so we're going to give it to him. And that that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I can't honestly attest to it because I haven't seen The Revenant. This is just a feeling that I, I have from a lot of people I know talking about the movie The Revenant throughout the course of the year. Now, of course... I don't see eye to eye with the Academy on a lot of things. Uh, for example, I didn't think Mad Max Fury Road was anything special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with I. I mean, there were special things about it. I didn't think it was as special as the awards would leave you to believe. I mean, it winning the the, the technical things that it won. I thought that was really cool. We were um, uh, Brandon and Travis from, or I don't actually know which one from Apathetic Enthusiasm was uh, tweeting on that night. But uh, oh, that's true. <laughs> we were having a discussion about the, um, uh, I think it was like costume design or something, and mm-hmm. he was arguing that it, it should have won that award because of, you know, that the costume design was very good and it was consistent within that world. And my argument was that no, um, the villain was goofy. Like the villain was flat out stupid looking, so I couldn't take him seriously. And I don't give a shit if he is consistent with the world. I, I, there needs to be something imposing about that villain to make everyone afraid of him and not just his actions, which, again, didn't seem all that out of place within the world, like the kinds of things that this person was doing. I don't know what it was about. It looked like his design was supposed to be designed to instill fear, and instead mm-hmm. he just looked like a goofball, like he looked like Doc Brown fell on a meat grinder or something. It was just bizarre. But regardless... um the the fact that it was nominated for something like Best Picture and there just didn't seem to be much to the movie. Now, I don't know if this is one of those instances where there was some sort of deep meaning to that truck chase that I just didn't get 
But all I got out of that movie was a very, very simple plot that was not all that interesting. Like, it didn't particularly care what happened. I didn't care about the guy that kept spraying that silver shit in his teeth, the the bad guy that kind of became a good guy or whatever, mm-hmm. and didn't care about the pregnant girls. I, I didn't wasn't afraid of the villain. I thought he was gross and stupid looking. Uh, I certainly didn't care about Mad Max. Um and I kind of cared about Charlize Theron. Way to go, her. Good performance. <laughs> but uh, I didn't care about the truck. I didn't care about the sandstorm. I didn't care about the ladies on the other end. And then the big save the day, free of the town thing. I just I didn't care. The movie never made me care. And if the movie can't make me care, then... It's not a best picture. It's not a best it's picture. not a best picture. It was, like I keep, I keep saying to you, I... To come in its defense, I think it is interesting to look at, and I think it deserved all the production awards that it won, but I completely agree with you that it was not a Best Picture nominee. Word. I concur. I was very surprised by the Supporting Actor Award. Um, Even by, like, the, the, the shorts or, like, the, the, the snippets that they showed when announcing who was nominated for it and Mark Ruffalo like his his performance in spotlight was was stunning yeah i agree with you that like that was and, that was an incredible stallone if he did a really good job in creed and if like you take into account the story okay not just a snippet that they showed but he he did a really good supporting role and then i and bridge of spies like the clip that they showed, it was like if if that's the best you got, he shouldn't be getting the award. It's tough with the clips because it it's some some things are hard, some performances are hard to capture in a you know fifteen second clip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I got gotcha. you. Like obviously, Mark Ruffalo had that big emotional moment. They were like, oh, boom, Oscar clip. You know, some things are a little quieter and it more. Um, cumulative over the course of a movie so i could see you know all right uh so last my last question who did you feel was the best presenter hmm i could tell you who the worst fucking presenter was (laughs) yeah and I think Chris and I are in agreement on this. Fucking Sasha Baron Cohen, who, if I ever see him on the street, I'm going to walk right up to him and punch him in his motherfucking face. He, and it ha- he thinks he is so much, and he's not. And it ha- it really has nothing to do with the fact that I don't like Ollie G. Fine. I don't like Ollie G. Chris doesn't like Ollie G. We don't think he's funny. Whatever. Some people think he's funny. That's That's fine. The point is... What, I, I read this news this morning and it, it infuriated me. The Oscars banned Sasha Baron Cohen from coming out on stage and presenting as anybody but himself. They okay. said this before, like when they got him to agree to be a presenter. And then his wife, who is Isla Fisher, um, you know, poor man's Amy Adams. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to insult her, but like since she was uh complicit in this scheme i i think less of her she snuck in the ali g costume pieces i guess in her purse and he faked that he was sick and took over a disabled bathroom for like 40 minutes to get into this costume and then went rogue and went on on stage as ali g 
to do this bit he was so fucking convinced was going to be hysterical and great. And it was a completely inappropriate introduction for the Best Picture nominee that he was talking about, which is Room. Like, Mm -hmm. he made himself so much more important than what it was supposed to be about. And that fucking just sent me off a cliff. I was so angry about that. Yeah, I concur. Very poor taste and completely unnecessary. Like, neither the time nor the place, and it wasn't good enough to actually say, oh, all right, that was worth it. Yeah, I get it. You're Sasha Baron Cohen. You do characters. No, 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 no. You're you're confused. He does a character over and over and over again with different hairstyles. I'm saying this is what he (laughs) thinks he does. He thinks he does characters and everybody thinks it's hysterical. (laughs) And, oh, no, if you just let me do it, like, it would be great. It's okay. It's the Oscars. People show up. They read mediocre, crappy introductions that are written by somebody else and they just look wooden and it's okay to do. Nobody expects that much of you when you're presenting at the Oscars. Relax. But then you get someone like Kevin Hart, who I felt one of the best, if not the best presenter of the evening. The, 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 I, I, seeing as there was so much racism, I thought I was going to get a front row seat. All right. I see that didn't happen. I got a suit on with sparkly things. That made me snort out the soda that I was drinking. Funny, funny guy. Very entertaining. I tell you, I did. Now that now that I think about it, I do have a favorite presenter, though. And that was the pair of Tina Fey and Tina Steve Fey. Carell. I was giving you guys that one. I figured you would have said that. <laughs> I, I was actually, a, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm remembering this correct, Ryan Gosling. Yes, and, and Russell Crowe. Russell that Crow. was uh, that was pretty funny, and uh, the little kids. Really, they I felt I felt uncomfortable for them. It was the 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 gag where Chris Rock came out with the boxes. <laughs> Did you hear him as he was running off stage? No, I'm a good person. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that I don't know if he actually had knew his mic was on though. <laughs> that was so funny. Um. Yeah, I, I remember liking Ryan Gosling. I, I have a I, I have a thing about I have two things that I want to point out that were genuinely odd about this whole show. Go ahead. Um or point did you one. did you yeah, you, you mentioned your favorite. Uh, all right. So point point number one. Uh the the thank you scroll bottom yeah. screen. That was yeah. that was lame. It was a bad plan. It, it was weird. And it was really distracting because, like, I'm trying to see what, what, wait, what am I missing? What's going on down there while the it's, person is talking? And so I'm not listening to what they're saying. And I really felt when I saw that, and I understand it being off putting, but it wasn't for us. It was for the people that they pre wrote down so they didn't forget their name and then upset them later. It looked to me more like, okay, you need to keep your acceptance speech super short. So mm-hmm. we're going to give you this mm-hmm. so you can put these names here. You can put as but many then, names as you want in the crawl. But then everybody just ignored it and did exactly what they were going to do anyway. And yeah. the crawl went by so fast you couldn't read any of it. Yep. I it was agree. a bad plan. It didn't look good. It was a bad plan. I uh, have to. Can I piggyback on what you're saying here about the uh, keeping the speeches short? Um, I 
I feel like there was a real, like, Nazi regime this year to try and keep the speeches short, which didn't make a lick of sense when your show goes over half an hour. Because, because you've got fill it with fucking such bullshit. bits like, okay, I love the Star Wars robots more than most people in the world, and I was super happy to see them, but that bit added nothing to the show except extra fucking time that meant I couldn't go to bed. And the acceptance speeches are kind of what we're here for. Like, we're here... For these people. We're like, here to see who won, to see what they were wearing when they did, and what did they say when they won. Yeah. And it, this is my problem with the uh, Nazis, uh, uh, the acceptance speech Nazi, specifically the orchestra and the conductor who is apparently tone deaf, not musically tone deaf, but like tone deaf to what's going on around him, because they, they, they just use the Ride of the Valkyries for every like music cut off the speech song you mean mm-hmm. kill the wabbit whatever <laughs> kill the wabbit kill the wabbit okay whatever which is a pretty aggressive song uh mm-hmm. first place to use and the end of your speech is where a lot of winners make um a profound statement a political statement a statement about a cause that's important to them and so the effect of them like having a strict cutoff of time for these speeches, regardless of what was being said, whereas in past years, the conductor would sort of, like, tailor their playoff music and maybe, like, change the song or come in a little, like, lower volume and then ramp it up. They were just like, nope, we're in here with this song at 45 seconds, no matter what, and they would crash over something really touching or moving and important that the winner was trying to say and it was it just came off like really awful like we don't give a fuck about whatever you believe in oh i, I you might be confused the oscars is not for the winners it's for those uh presenting doing skits and the commercials obviously okay. obviously now my other my other complaint speaking of the music was the apparent disconnect, like the apparent just complete random nature of the music that was played? I mean, oh my god, that's yeah. Some of this stuff was was just so bizarre. Like, and now we're playing this music, and you know, every now and then it seemed to line up. But like Karen said earlier, Joe Biden came out to what was it, the Indiana Indiana Jones, Jones. theme? What? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> In the world? It's just such a strange collection of music it it was so so disconnected it, it, and i think the vice president has a theme like the president has hailed to the chief i'm pretty sh- and that's the president's song but i'm pretty sure the the vice president has a song too that they play when he walks in the room at the okay. very least like play that funky music white boy like <laughs> something that made some kind of sense that would have been epic they they uh he should have come out to kill the wabbit that would have been awesome you mentioned uh, ryan gosling and uh russell crowe they mm-hmm. came out to fucking bittersweet symphony what oh yeah what was that about what in the world like, yeah come on guys what what the actual fuck was going on here <laughs> For everything, these award shows, like, I want to like these award shows a lot more than I do. And, like, a lot of these canned skits and whatnot, if they did fewer of those and made them better and just, I mean, I don't know. I can't even think of what the right thing to, to do here is. I know they only have a certain amount of time to display these things and they have all these different awards to give out. But seriously, like... We want to see these people win their awards. And who was the one that won 
and just talked right through the the playoff music. I don't remember. There was one one winner that I was I was so proud of them because they just kept on talking right through that music mm-hmm. until it was over and they were still talking. <laughs> and the I guess the orchestra was just like, "Okay, you win. <laughs> we don't have anything else prepared, so." Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. Like, did they not have anything else to do besides the Bride of the Valkyries? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it just seems so, it's, it seems like they have this opportunity to have some really good television, and instead they're just kind of shoehorning themselves into really bad television. Yeah, um, they, like, they did this conceit this year where supposedly they were going to hand yeah. out the <laughs> awards based on, like, the order of the steps in making I, I a movie. I was just going to bring this up. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so we start with screenplay because that's where, you know, the ideas come from and you can't have a movie without the words that you use to write it. Fine, that makes sense. Next, we're going to give out Best Supporting Actress. What? Well, because that's the second thing you do. You get the screenplay and then you decide who the supporting actress is going to be. (laughs) And then you move on to, like, all the steps of, like, production and then you give out the rest of the acting awards. Like, what? Huh? No, it should have been should have been screenplay. Then it should have been acting awards because that's you know you get the words and then you get the people to say the words and then you get the production people who make the people make the people who are saying the words look like they're supposed to look and then you get the cinematographer and it makes everything look. Skinny. See, but if they gave out the best actor and actress award in the beginning, they wouldn't be able to drag the show out and keep me watching till eleven thirty at night. Yes, I, 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 I've seen the Oscars before. I understand what they're trying to doing, but if that's what they want to do, then they shouldn't be bashing me over the head with this ridiculous, you know, how the movie is made thing that they didn't that fell apart. Like, it's okay. Well, at least it the fell Oscars apart right in the beginning. Right? <laughs> I just want to take the Oscar people aside and be like, it's okay, guys. You don't have to like spoon feed it to us you don't have to like set up some stupid thing it's okay the people who are gonna watch are gonna watch and like you don't need to like try and organize it for them so they understand they understand it's okay just fucking do the show i concur uh my final thought is that i do not think i would have made it through this whole show without live tweeting oh twitter twitter's the best so, Chris, I want to thank you for that. I would have never have done that on my own. And I never would have thought of it without Karen. Karen, <laughs> you to bomb, yo. The the amount of entertainment and joy I got from Twitter made made having a Twitter account worth it. <laughs> Just for this one evening. Things like this are are one of the best uses of Twitter is like live events in which a large audience is participating and commenting on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was very proud of a couple of mine. One of my personal favorites that I said was, who are you wearing? Harley, Harley Davidson. When the, that, I was so proud of that. (laughs) The the winner for best costume came out and she's wearing a leather jacket and jack boots. Come on now. Uh, somebody I follow, might have been Ken Jennings, uh, was commenting on that, like, um, no, I think it was Margaret Willison. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't know who these Twitter people are. I know who they are, and maybe our <laughs> listeners know who they are, but you guys don't know. Uh, we're saying, like, that the all the Mad Max people called each other while they were getting ready, and they were like, so, what are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing a skull. 
oh yeah me too <laughs> like because everybody had a skull somewhere on them wow. and another great thing i saw on twitter was somebody uh said that they would have had more time for the acceptance speeches if they just sat all the mad max people closer to the stage <laughs> that is also true see and it's poignant i like that uh so anything else you guys no, good no i i feel that we've discussed this as much as it needs to be discussed hashtag free stacy dash like what the <laughs> fuck was that <laughs> i just didn't understand that bit where she came out for like five seconds oh I, yeah I, what the hell was that like it I, just I, made no sense it somebody, was a joke that just did not work please explain it to me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think it was a joke for people who are not us but i don't know what it was it, and if it, it was that the woman at the beginning there was it, chris rock was doing a bit about like you know trying to fix the racism in hollywood and he brought her out as like the spokesperson and, and she's the woman who played sharon clueless which like fine i know who she is that's great but why yeah. is she there and what is she doing i think it was a reference to her being very very light-skinned Maybe. No, I'm not 100% on that one. But anyhow. Uh, so let's recap real quick. Venture Brothers. Go Team Venture. I am all for Castle. 110%. Uh, Fuller House. Like I said, it's for families. If you have a family, good for you. <laughs> and the Oscars. It's the Oscars. I mean, sure, don't go back and rewatch it. No, yeah, no, seriously. No. Like, just, just catch up on the winners. Jump I on Twitter, on, you'll be okay. I noticed it's on Hulu, and I don't know who the hell that's for, but <laughs> it's it's don't. for me. Like, I literally, I w- if I had missed it, I would go back and watch the whole thing. But I'm a crazy award show person. Okay. Fair enough. And I Fair don't enough. think there are that many crazy award show people who would have missed it in the first place. Like, unless they had to, they had to work or something. Right. Right. Uh, all right, Chris. Me? You? You can get in touch with us at mailatgeekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Geekade. Sorry in advance. Uh, I've been running our Instagram account, and I haven't really been on top of it this week. I've been very busy at work. I promise we haven't forgot about Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at TWEPCAST, T-W-E-P-CAST. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade, K-R-I-S. Evan is at... Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is at... Shoot underscore the underscore moon. And if you've got some spare time, follow all three of us on Twitter and go back and watch, uh, read all of our uh, Oscar coverage because it was really funny and it will be even funnier if you don't know what's going on on the screen. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this or and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, maybe Stitcher, definitely iTunes, and who knows where the hell else. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review, preferably five stars, because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated, and we really, really like stars. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Thank you very much, Chris. So... You could actually go follow us on Twitter, go back a couple of days, hours, whenever we were live tweeting, start it on Hulu. Oh, there you go. There, you see what I'm saying? You see it syncing it and up. And that's why it's on there. Like, 
Just sync it up like uh, Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. <laughs> nice. That's right. Perfect. What was that? Riff Tracks. <laughs> yes. Modern day Riff Tracks. So, uh, once again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, send us emails. Talk to us on social medias. We love to hear from you. Um, with that, from everyone here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. I don't miss purple ketchup. Good night. So is that going to be our thing now where you say something ridiculous at the end of the show? Because <laughs> you've been doing it. <laughs> I think it was mainly because the remote was too far away. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me. But then Chris and John came home from the grocery store. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. I call hacks. That is a, uh, a, a link to the Batman 66 series. Not the Batman uh, or Tim Burton movie. You can you can just edit that out. It's a terrible joke. Wasn't Batman <laughs> in 1989? Anyway. <laughs> and this concludes our broadcast day.